Well, good morning. We hope that you can catch on this and uh, continue in our story with one story. Um, well, good morning. So glad you're joining us online. Uh, with the weather how it is, we just knew that it's best to stay home, stay safe, stay warm. And so we hope that this encourages you uh, and challenges you this week as we continue this look at one story. We have seen how God created it was very good, that the fall, we chose Godhood rather than experiencing what God had created us for. In the call last week in Genesis 12, we saw Abram was called a man that was just chosen by God, called to be a nation, called to bless other nations and every family of this world. But now we're going to look at the specifics. It's great to be called, and all of us want to be called to great things, but but when we have to then try to live it out, sometimes we fear, we fret, we worry. Sometimes we take it into our own hands. Sometimes we put our stock in ourselves. And we look at Genesis 12 and we say, God is calling Abram, great. But now as we open to Genesis 16, we're going to begin to see that maybe they stop trusting in God. Well, we need to understand the overriding idea of today is that what God calls you to, he empowers you for. He will take care of us along the journey, but sometimes we like to take care of ourselves. Genesis 16, verse 1. Abram has now been without child 10 years. God has taken him outside. He said, look up at the stars. This will be how great your family is, how many your family is. But then Abram and Sarah begin to think, should we... Be doing something more should we take it into our own hands should we figure out how to make this baby come about so sarah abram's wife verse one had borne no children she had a female egyptian servant whose name was hagar and sarah said to abram behold now the lord has prevented me from bearing children i am barren i cannot bear a child i'm stopping this blessing go in my servant it may be that I shall obtain children by her. Maybe God wants to just use her. Yeah, he's promised us something, but maybe we need to just make it happen. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, 10 years of waiting, of wondering, of wanting this child, they finally say, let's just figure out how to make it happen. He took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and he gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. See, Abram follows what his wife encourages him to do. He marries Hagar and then sleeps with her. She becomes pregnant, and now there is this uh, contempt among both of them. There's a mistreating. There is a arrogance there is a shame there is a guilt but there's also a baby ishmael will be born of hagar when we look at this story of abram what i want us to wonder about is maybe that god is calling us but are you trusting god or are you trusting your own ways are you trusting that you need to figure it out that you need to work out the plan of god or are you trying to step in for what he is trying to do for you? And you're going, well, I need to write the script accordingly. I need to do it correctly. Maybe you don't understand how you can tell if that's you. 
Well, then let's think about this. You have a plan for your life, right? Well, where does that need go? Or do you assume that in order to get that job that you want, that it requires you to get this grade, and so we need to get an A here, because if I get an A here, then I can get into this master's program. If I get into this master's program, then I can work at that company. If I get to work at that company, then I can uh, make the amount of money that I need to make or want to make or desire to make. And, and if I take care of this, if I study for this test, then it turns into this, and it's all of this. Everything has to work out, and you uh, have to make it happen. It all rests on you. See, you have the best plan for your life. You, you may not be willing to admit it, but it's how that you live every single day. Because you value school over anything spiritual. You fret over a test and forget time with the Lord. You spend every free moment worried and worked up over what ifs instead of instead. Life is over if you fail a test, if you don't get the job you wanted, if an internship interview doesn't come through, because we're holding our plans so tightly. We're birthing issues. See, we are saying, God, I'm going to do it my way. In Ishmael, We'll become a, a constant thorn in the side. We'll, we'll become a nation that is an adversary for the rest of Israel. Are we, in taking it into our hands, birthing Ishmael's and missing what God really has in store? Do you trust in your own way that you can write a better story than God? The second thing, and we're going to have to keep moving, so Abraham has a son, eventually through Sarah. His name is Isaac. Isaac marries a lady named Rebekah. Rebekah and Isaac have two boys. It says this, Genesis chapter 23, And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife, because she was barren. God continuing to use barren couples to show that he is in control, not them. This is no accident. This is the Lord. Continuing on, chapter 25, I'm going to read it from my Bible instead of just my papers. 25, continuing in verse 21, it says this. She was barren, and the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. The children struggled within her. Did you get that? Children. So not only are they having a child, no, they're having twins. And she said, if it is thus, why is this happening to me? We prayed for this, and there is so much pain and so much going on within me. It's not just a few kicks. It's a fight. So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, verse 23, Two nations are in your womb, and two people from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. And when her days to give birth were complete, behold, they were twins in her womb, and the first came out red, all his body with a, like a hairy cloak, so they called him Esau, means red. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob, meaning he cheats, he grounds the heel, deceit. So Esau and Jacob are born. This lineage, though, is not going to flow through the older child like it normally does and pass down uh, 
birthrights and all of that. No, it's going to be the older serving the younger. God prophesies to Rebecca beforehand. So then uh, this begins to work itself out because Jacob knows that he is going to be the one that God is going to use. So he begins to take it on by himself. The second point I have this morning is quickly is this. Do you trust in your wits and your intellect and your ability and your thinking? See, Jacob was crafty. And one day Esau had been out uh, hanging out, I mean, out hunting, and he came home exhausted and hungry. Jacob was home making some soup. Esau, saying, I'm about to die, says, can I have some? And Jacob sees this as a bartering opportunity, and he says, give me your birthright, bud. And he sells his birthright. He sells what is due him for a cup of soup. Jacob, see, is uh, conniving and is scheming. He is he is figuring out ways to take advantage of people. Later, he knows his father is about to die and that a blessing is soon to be given. And so Esau is sent out to go and find a goat to kill so that they can uh, make this great stew for his father. But Jacob goes to the herd and to the flock and he kills the animal. He makes the food and then he covers himself with the hair so that he can be like his hairy brother Esau. He goes into his father's uh, room and he says, uh, Father, bless me. He says, your voice sounds like Jacob, but your skin feels like Esau. His eyes were dim. He could barely see. And so he then gives a blessing. And so Jacob now steals the blessing that was due Esau. See, God had said, I am going to work through you. I am going to get, bring you up, younger one. But Jacob's not willing to wade on the timing of the Lord and instead takes it into his own hands. I will outsmart my father. I will outsmart my brother. I will figure this out. Do you rely on your wits, on your ability, on your greatness, on your godliness? Do you rely on your giftedness? Do you not have any need for God in any way, but instead you can handle everything? Nothing is too difficult, too high, too hard, too demanding. Actually, when things get hard, you step up. When everybody else quits, it's time for you to show how great you really are. Do you trust in your wits? Do you trust in what you can figure out? That you're smarter than, more capable, more powerful more able than everybody else. Jacob did. Do you trust in your ways? Do you trust in your wits? Finally, we're going to look at Joseph. Joseph, in chapter 37, is he is the son of Jacob. So Jacob has all the sons uh, that you can remember from impact, right? Gad and Dan and Asher and Reuben and Judah and Zebulon. These are the, the brothers of Joseph. But see, Jacob had uh, children with four different women, but his favorite was Rachel, and Rachel's firstborn was this boy named Joseph. Joseph was his dad's favorite. It, you may experience that in your family. I don't know if you're the favorite or not. I think I'm my mom's favorite, but I'm not quite sure. We all know in my family that my dad's favorite is my middle sister. She can get away with anything. He will always come to her defense, and it, it, it's not a big deal. But you know who the favorite is, right? See, 
Joseph was the favorite, and it was pretty obvious. He got a special coat. He had a lot of color. But Joseph also relished the fact that he was the favorite. Genesis 37, Joseph has a few dreams, and then he begins to tell his brothers of these dreams that he has had. He calls them together, and he says, Hey, I got two dreams to tell you about. One, you are all going to be bowing down to me. He talks about how like sheaves are bowing down in the field, and the next time it's all these stars bowing down. See, Joseph liked the fact that God was going to use him so much so that he wanted to arrogantly tell his brothers all about it. I'm great. I'm going to be a big deal. You're going to worship me. His father even rebukes him, 3710. He says, Joseph, this isn't how you do this, man. It gets so bad that his brothers are so jealous and so frustrated that they decide they're going to kill him. He's going out to check on them because he's in the house while they're all working. They throw him in a pit. They're going to leave him for dead. And then they go, well, at least we can make some money off of this. So they sell him to some Egyptian traders that are passing by. Joseph is humbled. See, he was so proud of his favored son. He was blessed beyond everybody else. But he wasn't trying to use it for the good of others or for the good of himself. You have been blessed in so many great ways. Even to be here in College Station studying for school shows that you're competent, that you're smart, that you're able You've proven your worthiness over and over again, but are you going to trust in your worthiness? I'm more deserving that I am the best. Do you flaunt your favor? Do you take advantage of others because you deem yourself more worthy? Do you love being praised because you're so good, so godly? Does pride swell up in you and has it sold you the lie that you really are good? That you're a gift to the world, or as my dad likes to say it, I'm glad you got to see me. I remember uh, seeing this play itself out every year when I would teach a freshman small group. I'd look at each with the guys that first week we'd meet and I'd say, hey, I'm just telling you, in this room is going to be some of your best friends. People that you're going to live with, people you're going to spend the next four years with, people you're going to trust, people you're going to be vulnerable with, people that you are going to put in your way. And I remember just watching that night. Most of the time they all look around and they're kind of judging, going, eh. I've even had guys come to me and go, Jordan, when you said that, I looked around and said, I can do better than this. And yet. They realize after the fact, once they've been humbled, that really these are the people that I want to share my life with. Do you trust that you're worthy, that you're better than? Do you trust in your way? Do you trust in your wits and do you trust in your worthiness? Or do you trust in God? See, this nation that is going to be made from Abram is going to always be challenged with this idea. Are we going to trust God to provide or are we going to do it all of ourselves? 
And every single day when you're worried about a job, when you're worried about a spouse, when you're worried about a future, when you're worried about a bill, are you going to trust God or are you going to trust what you can do? See, the overarching theme is do you trust yourself or do you trust God? But while we've picked on this family a little bit, I want you to understand that the overarching theme that they really can show us is the Lord will provide. Abram, when he has this son, Genesis 22, he is then told, Abram, I want you to go and to sacrifice this son that you love, your only son, the one that you hold most dear. He's saying, I have given you, now it's time for you to give him back to me. So Abram, it says in Genesis 22, a story you have to read, he begins to make that journey to Mount Moriah where he is going to go sacrifice his son. At an intersection of fear and trembling, he, he is showing faith. He's walking up the mountain with his teenage son, Isaac, and son goes, Dad, we've got the flint, we've got the knife, we've got the wood, but where's the sacrifice? And Abram says, the Lord will provide. Abram trusts the Lord will provide as he finds his son on this makeshift altar. As he raises the knife to slaughter his only son, the one he loves. And then we get that moment of, Abram, Abram, stop. Do not put your hand on the boy. For he looks up and he sees in the thicket a ram stuck, and the Lord does provide. Jacob understands that the Lord will provide because one day as he is uh, sleeping beside a little brook, he, uh, and a messenger from the Lord comes to him and begins to wrestle with him and to fight him. And he is broken that he can do it all of himself, that his wit, that his intellect can figure everything out. And he is forever changed from that encounter with the Lord. It changes his walk and it changes his name. No longer is he Jacob the deceiver, but now he is Israel. He contends with, he wrestles with, he clings to God. And Joseph. He's humbled, and he faithfully then lives for the Lord. He works in Potiphar's house faithfully. He gets thrown in prison because of a, a false accusation. He is faithful to the Lord, uh, listening and caring for those around him. And eventually he is placed in a, a position in Egypt, second in command, trusted by Pharaoh. And when a famine hits, he has prepared the whole nation of Egypt and he is prepared for the famine to be taken care of. Genesis 50, his family comes to him. And Joseph finally reveals himself to his family. And he says in chapter 50, verse 18, his brothers came and they fell down before him and they said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said, Do not fear, for I am in the place of God. Not an arrogant statement, but a humble statement. God has placed me here. Only God could have placed me here. As for you, what you, you meant for evil against me, God has meant it for good. Yeah, you had a plan of a selfishness. You were being smart going, I can do this. We can fix this problem. And, and yet I have seen that God has been preparing this day to take care of his family. 
what you meant for evil, God meant for good, to bring about that many people should be kept alive, and they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and for your little ones only because God has told you. Do you trust your ways that you have the best plan for your life, that you can figure it out? Do you trust your wits, that you're smart enough, that you're able enough, that you can comprehend enough, that you can outthink, that if you just work it out, that it'll all be perfect? Do you trust your worthiness, that if you are so good, why would you not be shown favor and blessing and goodness? Five years ago, really five years ago this month, I became convinced that college ministry was the job that I needed to be doing. I remember calling my former college pastor and saying, I think God is calling me into this, but I'm not able, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough. They're going to ask questions I don't know. They're going to ask, have issues that I can't handle. They're, they're going to know more than I do. I'm not godly enough. I'm not holy enough. I'm not righteous enough. I don't think I'm worthy for this job. He said, if God's calling you, he will equip you. He will take care of you. And then I said, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, I can trust in that. But, but let's just be honest. There's just not very many of these jobs out there. There's probably 200 people in the whole United States getting to do the job that I get to do. Church, uh, college pastor. I go, I just don't even think it's a realistic option. He said, this is what God's calling you to, then you will do it. And I remember on a February day, I saw on a random blog post a position in College Station, Texas at First Baptist Church looking for a college pastor. I knew no one. I was in Atlanta, Georgia at the time. There was no way that my resume of being a youth pastor for two years would ever qualify me. I didn't even meet the minimum expectations. But I submitted my resume. And I actually doubly submitted it. I sent an electronic copy, and then I mailed it on the day that the thing was closing, so hopefully they'd see that. Then I got a call. Hey, we fill out these questions. Thank you. Then I got a call. Hey, will you uh, do a Skype interview? Sure. Then I got a call. Hey, this is Troy. I want to ask you a few more questions. Okay. Then I got a call. Hey, will you come out to College Station to meet with us? We came out, and <laughs> one of the saddest moments, the guy that interviewed the next day, we saw at breakfast with Troy. That was not fun to watch and see, and you kind of get dejected. Then I got a call. There's no reason that I should be here. Getting to do what I love to do, getting to pour, in, pour my life out to students that I love, not worthy, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough. I couldn't have even written it out. Nowhere in the story that I would have written would I be in College Station, Texas. Would I be married to a wife I love so much? Raising a child that is so much fun and so much exhausting. While all of us get to work get to go to school in a place where we are loved, where we are poured into. I couldn't have written a better story. But I'm glad I didn't. I'm not perfect in this faith. There were a lot of days of doubting, wondering, worrying. 
but I will tell you that what Abram said as they are climbing the mountain, as what Joseph says to his brothers as they are uh, in the midst of a famine, he says, I got you. The Lord will provide if we trust him. And we stop trusting what we can do. Doesn't mean we stop working. Doesn't mean we start uh, doing all that we can. But no, we trust him. Faith comes before our actions. What God calls you to, he will equip you for. Let's pray. Lord, challenge students today from this message. That we will lay down what I can do, what I'm good enough for, how smart I can be, and that we can trust that you will provide for the journey you're calling us to. Yeah, you've called us to be an engineer, but we doubt we can find the right job. You've called us to be a finance major, but we doubt we can get through econ. You've called us to be a doctor, but we're terrified of trying to get into med school. You've called us to be a vet, but it is so competitive. Lord, we are going to trust you, Lord, not in our ways, not what we can manufacture, not the plans that we can write out, not our story, but we're going to trust in your story because you're the best story writer. You control all things, and we control hardly anything. So, Lord, help us to trust, not in our ways, not in our wits, not in our worthiness, but that you will provide. Amen. Well, I hope to see you guys at retreat this weekend. Remember, uh, we've got that coming up. Sign up right now online if you haven't. Uh, the food is great. The work is fun. Uh, it's a great time to get away. Super excited about that. It's only $50. If you have any worry about money, just get in touch with me. I have lots of scholarships to help out. Uh, make sure you click that link and do that. Um, wear your mask at Small Group this week, please, so that nobody's disqualified from retreat because we weren't masked. Um, and I think that's it. We'll see you later.